0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Elections on Tap with your host, Miles Wilburn. On today's panel, we have Max Littman and Christos Iwano, as well as myself. And then today we'll be uh, sort of staying out west uh, to discuss Nevada politics. The first question that I have for my panelists is, how do you think redistricting and the, and the recent reapportionment will impact Nevada electoral politics? Uh, with it retaining all of its congressional seats, do you think the layout will change at all? And I'm going to go to Max first.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because Nevada's always been a, a weird draw because just the, the way Nevada is shaped, for those who don't know, almost all of Nevada, it's federal government land that no one lives on. So 70% plus of Nevada has zero people. Then you have the city of Las Vegas, you have the city of Reno, and you have Carson City, which make up just about 100% of the population. Nevada has a very, very small rural population. So when you look at these other states that have gone through redistricting, uh, if you were looking at gerrymandering Nevada, which isn't really possible, but if you were looking at it, like it's tough for the for a Republican gerrymandering, because what are you going to do? Like You'd have to slice and dice Las Vegas with the very far northern part of the state, which has the state's Republicans. That's why when you look at the second district is the entire Northern part of the state. So it's the Northern 25% of the state is Amody's district. And everything else is, is, is dicey because you have the third, which is very narrowly Republican at the moment. I think it may, might've narrowly gone for Biden. You have the fourth, which very, which very narrowly went for Biden. And then you have the safe first. So the key in, in the redistricting to me is all about drawing that second and third, I'm sorry, all about drawing that third and fourth to retain democratic seats. And it's a tough draw because you can't, you can't give the second too much, but uh, if you look at currently, the most dangerous one is Nevada's fourth, which has a ton of area, but the area, once again, is almost all government land. So it has a ton of northern Las Vegas, the northern Vegas suburbs, and then a ton of empty land. And then you have the third, which is uh, like everything south of Vegas, really. And it's very tribal, I believe, pretty sure. Uh, which is pretty good for Democrats. So I think the key is really getting the amount of people in third and fourth right for the Democrats, and making sure that you you can retain these. Even, I mean, the question goes to whether Hispanics stay largely Democrat or not. So you have to draw where, if Hispanics stay leading Democrat, you you have a very competitive chance no matter where in Nevada. And if you don't, you're going to have to give some places, some of the first part of Las Vegas, to keep them keep them safe.
2: Well, you, Chrisos, what do you think? I really basically just agree with everything Max said. I don't have too much to add. Uh, again, especially the point being with it depends on how the third and fourth districts are drawn, because that first is going to end up, you know, solidly Las Vegas, solidly Democratic. And, you know, it, it basically depends how how much of the outer Las Vegas suburbs are they willing to cut up between that, uh, the third and fourth? Cause the second is just up there. It's doing its own thing. It's probably going to go right either way, but again, third and fourth, it's a bit of a balancing act for, uh, for Democrats, you know, if they want to see again, just if they can go ahead, balance that out fairly be, uh it being Las Vegas and the, uh, egg, uh, and again, just surrounding population in the area because you know, Nevada is not an exciting state. I apologize to anybody who may be from Nevada. Uh, You know, you got Las Vegas, but you know, who knows what happens there because it all stays there. But other than that, you don't have too much. I, the most I know about Nevada is from my hours upon hours put into American trucking simulator. (laughs) So really fun game, by the way, sounds dumb. It's really fun. Um, But yeah, just long winding answer to say, I agree with Max. I, you know, it's not losing or gaining seats, I really don't think too much is going to happen, unless maybe Dems go for a more aggressive draw to get more of Las Vegas and it somehow backfires, but I don't really see that happening.
1: Great game, American Trucking Simulator, along with Euro Simulator and Euro Simulator 2. I love that game, but I mean, I think if the Democrats really want to get try to get aggressive, they, they can try to draw the northern part where banking on Carson City and Reno getting more DEM over the next 10 years and maybe try to land themselves a seat in 28. But I mean, that'd put Nevada at plus four DEMs and that's tough to do. If, if I'm the Nevada DEMs, I shore up the third and fourth little uh, and just try to keep rolling. They're, they're tough wins. Like Danny Tarkanian keeps running. Like they're not easy outs, but Democrats have consistently done great with the Las Vegas union support and with culinary support and keep winning. And that's all you have to do in, La- in Nevada and Las Vegas is if you have culinary, you have the game. So they have to keep culinary happy.
0: Yeah, I'm just out of curiosity, because um, I, I, I'm kind of ignorant. What's the person lean for Nevada's second district?
1: Nevada's second district is about plus 10 off the top uh-huh. of my head.
0: Okay.
1: Maybe a little less actually plus 8, nine ten it, in that. Yeah, the first and second are roughly equivalent. I think the second is a little closer to the median than the first, because the first is just the Vegas vote sync, uh, but then the third and fourth are pretty much even.
0: I guess a little follow-up, are the Vegas suburbs trending similar, or similarly to uh,
1: other states' suburban areas? Yeah, Vegas is, is growing incredibly fast, almost all of the southwest, so Vegas is in their growth, uh, is growing suburbs, and the suburbs are are trending down just like everything else. Uh, but the kicker with, with Nevada is Nevada is incredibly union in state because, because of the Las Vegas casinos, and it's very Hispanic. Uh, so they're currently trending down, but it depends a lot on Hispanic trends.
0: Which, as we've seen, right, as as we've seen, uh, and as we've talked about before, um, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean,
1: there, there's room for debate. I think there's going to be a massive reversion from 2020 back to the Dems when have a large percent of Hispanics. But it, I mean, it's up for debate. Like, I'm readily available to debate anyone who thinks either way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good point. So yeah, yeah, is there anything else to kind of cover with or that you guys can think of to cover
2: for All good. Again, doesn't seem like it not only doesn't seem like there will be any shakeups, doesn't seem like there's too much room for any shakeups as well.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I gathered too. Um, so, with that, we're going to go on to our break. So I'll see you on the other side. two elections on tap. The second question that I'd like to ask the panel tonight concerns the Senate race. A little over a month ago, former Nevada Attorney General, Adam Laxall, that's how you pronounce his name, uh, announces his candidacy for the the state's Senate seat. Uh, If he wins the Republican primary, he'll be going up against the current incumbent, Senator uh, Catherine Cortez Masto. Do you think his entrance changes the, the, the dynamics of the Nevada Senate race
2: at all? I would to go to Chris for that. I think it changes the d- dynamics in that you know the GOP has a serious candidate, and you know it, as we saw in twenty twenty, the I, I don't know it, it's it's tough because I don't want to be the guy who extrapolates all the wrong data from the twenty twenty election because it's one thing to say, oh, the GOP did better with, you know, Latino voters overall, or was that just Trump? You know, it, it it's, it's tough, but I will say Nevada, you know, was, I'd, I'd, I'd argue a little bit closer than uh, some Dems had expected. So it, again, I, I think it really only changes the state of the race and that it gives the GOP a more serious candidate. But at this point in time, I really don't see too much, uh, I don't see Laxalt giving Cortez Masto too big a run for her money. I think the other important dynamic, too, is it kind of reminds me of, you know, Dean Heller, uh, former senator, just jumped into the gubernatorial race. Both of them immediately just I get it's a primary, but they're running really they're running hard to the right, right out of the gate. And I think that in a state that's as close as Nevada, I don't know how well that's going to work. You know, you could make the case for other states. Like, you know, here in Ohio, you look at that GOP primary that, you know, is a whole. That's that's something else. So that's all I'll say on that. But even still, it's like the the state's trending. Right. And, you know, you could very it makes more sense to run to the right in a state like Ohio. But Nevada is just too close for that, I think. And I think that, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot, uh, even if, you know, they are more serious contenders than, you know, could have been. So if, if that makes any sense. what you, Max? I mean, I think, like,
1: contender-wise, you're either looking at, like, a Joe Heck rerun or uh Danny Tartanian rerun. Neither of those are obviously going to work. So Laxalt's their best, their best recruit that they could get. Uh, I don't think he does it. I think uh, Cortez Masto has been a very good senator for the state of Nevada. I think she has – I mean, obviously she, she's Mexican, she has bona fides with the, with the Hispanic community, which absolutely should help her. Uh, and she has the Harry Reid machine. She was Harry Reid's handpicked successor. Like this is, a, this is the big seat to the, the people of Nevada. This is Harry Reid's seat. Uh, she did pretty well in 2016, all things considered. Uh, she won by 3% uh, against, I mean, against a credible opponent, against a congressman. Uh, Coming from the, what's interesting is she's coming from the same attorney general spot that Waxalt's coming from. So there's kind of the history there. And I don't think by any means it's going to be an easy race. It's going to be a tough race. She has a tough race to win and she needs to put in the work. But I don't think that it would be in my top three upset chances for the Senate. Yeah, we
0: didn't even really know that. I guess that, or I kind of forgot that the governor's race was going on. Who do the Dems have running? Is
2: it, uh, it's, is it the incumbent?
1: Yeah. For which
2: one? For governor. Yeah, Sisolak's running for re-election.
1: Okay. this should win that pretty easily. Yeah. I'd assume again, he's he's fairly popular.
2: Again, it's, you know, like like Max said, Laxalt's probably as good as the GOP could get, you know. Dean Heller, again, I probably all right candidate because he's been around for a while. But again, like you said, CCM Senator Cortez Masto. She's been real good senator for Nevada. Sisolak's been good governor for Nevada. So the, G, you know, there's good damn quality candidates too, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. So
1: I, I I agree a lot. I think one of the problems with a lot of the, the Twitter pundits is they see like some big name Republican in race and the narrative just completely shifts to the Republicans got their dream recruit, which when you have a Democratic incumbent, it doesn't quite matter. Like it's important, but our Republican dream recruit still has an uphill battle against a Democratic incumbent. And I think people struggle with how much of a factor incumbency advantages. I think a lot of people post-2016 have been thinking it doesn't matter. And it absolutely does. We've seen more upsets, sure, but incumbency is a massive advantage still. And just because you're getting your dream recruit doesn't, doesn't factor out the income.
2: Are you telling me that we should just we should not give up on New Hampshire if Sununu jumps in?
1: If Sununu jumps in, the Dems win. Yeah, I don't think he wins the primary, first of all. Yeah. So also, I mean, look it. at his crossover support. Like, he has massive Dem crossover support who won't be voting in the primary. And that Dem crossover support is not going to extend to, sorry to get into New Hampshire. Shaheen's not, I'm not worried about New Hampshire. Like, maybe I'll, I worked in a couple months, but a year and a month. But, like, it's one of those states where I just don't see it. I just don't see Nevada. Like, it's kind of a white whale for the Republicans right now. They'd love to get it. It's, it's a growing state, it's a good state, but as far as the eye can see, it's, I mean, it's to them, it's like, it's like. remember when we were talking about New Mexico won a couple months ago, how it was gonna be a close special and it was just not whatsoever a close special. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, this could be said about the California Rico.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's the same type of, like, and, but I mean, New Mexico being right there is important. Like the fundamentals have not changed in any of these races just because they were a little bit different in 2020. I
0: think that's, that's true. Um, I want to pivot and ask one final question to uh my panelists. And it's sort of as a follow-up to this, how do you think the more progressive takeover of Nevada state run politics might impact this center race? Or has it has it has it, had, has it had an impact uh so far? But yeah, what do you think? And
1: I'll go to Max for that. This might get me canceled along with every other take of mine, but uh I don't like the takeover i don't think it was a good thing yeah, if you want to run progressives run progressives i don't think progressives doing a hostile takeover of the state parties is the way to go about progressivism uh because state parties are entrenched and they have inroads and they have connections and they win you elections nevada is not a state where the democrats are struggling like they have both senate seats in the go- governorship like the there's states where i think a progressive takeover couldn't hurt and those are states like montana and north dakota places where we do not have a shot in hell Nevada is not one of those places. Like, I don't, I don't like the logic of taking over a state that has two fairly progressive senators. Like, no, one, it's not Arizona. Like, no one's complaining about Jackie Rosen or Cortez mass No one's complaining about Steve Like It's not a state that, that desperately needs progressivism. It's just a state that, for some, whatever reason, it was very easy for them to take over the party. If you look at 2016, the same thing happened in the Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton primary, where the Sanders supporters in the primary caucus went just buck wild and started throwing chairs and stuff like that for no reason. Then the Nebraska progressives are just just different, and I'm gonna stop myself there. I, I don't think it was a good thing, but also I think that Harry Reid's machine and the the people he has that used to be in charge will do enough job behind the scenes. And I know they started a new foundation or organization or whatever. I think they'll do enough to to offset a lot of the damage. But I think there's still some institutional damage that was done in that that is unfortunate because the Dems right now really don't need that. We have enough problems. Uh, And there's enough work to do in 2022 that infighting and progressivism takeovers of a state party. I'm not like an insurgent primary. I I have no issue with most insurgent primaries, but the specific like state party takeover, I think, is just regressive.
0: Yeah. And what about you, Chris? What do you think?
2: I think I kind of agree with Max here, at least, you know, from what I've seen, probably wasn't the greatest, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Harry Reid had a good thing going there. And like you said, you know, he still is behind the scenes. So that's honestly why well, I'm not too worried. Might cause a couple of hiccups along the way, but I, I don't think it really changes the outcome of any races anytime soon. So.
0: That would be more fun to agree. And, you know, we really haven't heard a whole lot about, at least I haven't heard a whole lot about um, that aspect or the, the, the whole takeover aspect since it happened. Um, you know, there have been mm-hmm. Been either much news or
1: just not a lot's going on. So it, it was one of those things where the centrists on Twitter freaked out for a day, and then after a day they realized that fundamentally it wouldn't change a lot, and they calmed down. And there was anything else more important to talk about. On the face of it, it looks bad. It, it's not nearly as bad as 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 it seems. If you're a centrist in Nevada, I don't think it'll have much like actual damage in terms of just. I mean, it could have hurt organizing, which is the thing, but then again, you have the question of, does organizing do anything in our supercharged political environment?
0: Yeah, that's very true. Um, And I think that's a good place to end this episode on.
2: Wait, wait, because it hasn't been chaotic yet. I'll just say, I think Area 51, something happens, the aliens get loose and it changes the race. I'll just throw that out there as my Hail Mary projection. I think that we get a governor from freaking mars come 2022 and i will eat my hat if we don't
0: all right solid solid projection
2: <laughs> not solid at all but thank you for <laughs> thanks for letting me have that here at the end <laughs> absolutely well with that uh with the end
0: uh tonight's episode and uh I'd like to also thank my panelists for joining me in this episode. And, uh, yeah, I think we had a, a really good discussion. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Elections on Tap. If you like us, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please leave us a rating as it helps us reach more people. Also, if you would like to support us, you could find the link to do so in the podcast description page. Thanks again for listening.